freedom 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 over fame freedom over cycle stays the same welcome first of all welcome this is unsolicited perspectives i am your host bruce anthony thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your podcast and video podcasts subscribe share like comment and rate us you can find us on instagram youtube and twitch at unsolicited underscore perspectives on twitter and tiktok at unsolicited underscore per watch us live every thursday night 7 30 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch our audience continues to grow with each and every episode and i humbly thank you on today's episode, it's the Sibling Happy Hour. I'm with my sis, Jay. We're talking about Black History Facts, Riri and the Super Bowl, and just shooting the breeze. But first things first. What up, sis? What up, brother? How you feeling today? I am good. Uh, we are recording this a day late, but that's but that's on me. It's not a day late because it's still going to go out today. We just okay. recorded earlier. We Got just it. recorded the day before. We're recording it instead of the night. We're recording it in the morning. And I'll actually, edit it and put it out. It's, it's actually, not <laughs> actually, I shouldn't have said nothing because I'm in the middle of my work day. And the last <laughs> thing I want is my boss to be like, are you recording podcasts on company time? So You think your, you think your boss is really uh, paying attention to you like that? No, I don't think any. I don't think anybody I work. I've never mentioned that I do the podcast at work because I don't yeah. them listening. <laughs> uh, okay, I, get to well, tell me. I mean, I got some opinions on here. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. maybe. Well, that's the reason why we do the after hours. Once again, here's a plug: join our Patreon page for five dollars, and y'all better join. Quick, because the price of the brick is going up, right? Like, you're not going to keep getting it for $5. Yeah. I, it's going to be basically to the end of this month, and we in the month of February, where it's $5, where you could get the after hours, the sibling after hours show. Uh, it's uncensored. We be talking a lot of ish on there. And my personal show, Talking Straight Ish, uncensored. We do that twice a week. It's only on our Patreon page. It's exclusive to our Patreon page. You can't get it nowhere else, and you get the raw, real. And you missing out because even dad, dad was watching it. And he was like, y'all cuss a lot. Y'all funny, but y'all cuss a lot. And I was like, yeah, because we talking. Mom, <laughs> Mom called me. Uh-huh. Said, y'all have nasty maths. <laughs> <laughs> so I, well, I said, well, shoot, don't listen. Hey, look, that's hey, we give you the raw real. So uh, don't fall far from the tree. Look, they fell right there at the tree. Right at the base, just looking up. Nowhere. Learn this from you. Right. (laughs) Fell right through them branches. So that's where we really be going in on stuff. So I Mm -hmm. think that your job ain't uh, Yeah, no, 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 no. They're not gonna hear that part. Well, I mean, let's get to it. All right. The Super Bowl. I thought I could go my whole life without... <laughs> Time out. Your whole life? Thinking about, thinking about what happened on the 12th. You know, <laughs> as I know, uh, from the last episode, I made a 
prediction that the yeah, Eagles are going to win. Did. I've been an Eagles fan since I was 16 years old, and uh, and they didn't win. That that episode did not age well. No, it uh, didn't. And my prediction was wrong. You know, it was right until maybe the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the crucial 10 minutes. Here's, here's, here's what I think. If you win a game letting the clock run out, I don't like that. That's winning. I know, but I don't like that. And you know what? If the Eagles had done it, I would have loved it. Right. They do. <laughs> I don't like Oh, Roni. Roni jiggling. Jingling. You know what? If I let her out the room and I close the door, then you will hear her whining. So you can always just take off her collar. I keep forgetting to do that. Roni, come here, baby. Nope, she's not listening. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, she doesn't listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, at all. <laughs> I have literally had this dog for three years. She just turned four uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. And, That's, uh, okay, tell the people the truth about Roni's birthday. I don't know when it is. Right. So She's a inst- instead of having it on the same day every year. She, she was found on the side of the road on Super Bowl Sunday. Come here, because you're getting on my nerves, baby. I love you, but you're getting on my nerves. I love you so much. Give me this collar. You don't get to have that. She doesn't like being You sound, You sound and look so much like the young auntie right now. Yes. <laughs> if y'all watching the video, y'all. I have fully embraced my auntiehood. Fully. And I <laughs> am in my auntie era, and I love it. All I do is listen to old school R&B and give all my nieces and nephews money be a cash app. That's all I do. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I have zero complaints. I got chains on my glasses. Yeah. I my glasses. I got a little auntie haircut. Yes, you did. Fully in my auntie era. <laughs> you got the haircut like, auntie, you gonna be at the at the barbecue? Oh, baby, I'm not gonna be able to make it. I'm going on my cruise this year. Baby, but you know what? Check your cash app. <laughs> Yo, y'all have y'all have got all the people that's listening to the audio. You got to check us out on video because the just the, the expressions, the facial expressions that we use, me constantly talking with my hands, the stuff is funny. The, on top of the words, the visual is funny. You don't just talk with your hands, though, Bruce. You flail. I know. <laughs> like I know you literally are just this I wish y'all could see what I'm doing so go to the YouTube and check it out go to the YouTube <laughs> he I, but it's it's always it's why it's, are they so high up well, they're not high up they just have my face bring it's not like down. I'm raising them above my head bring them down bring your hands down at least like you know, like shoulder height, chest level. Well, no, Why because the armrests here, the armrests are right here on the chair. So, okay. like, they propped up on the armrest. So, you know, maybe I, I should get a chair that don't have armrests. I don't know. I'm still gonna talk with my hands. That's just what Why I do. Armrests? They're just at a normal height. Well, why are you so high? Because I'm sitting on the throne. To... I'm sitting on the throne because I'm gonna label myself King James, like. Like LeBron did. By the way, I have a whole 
conversation about that on Talking Straight-ish. Once again, on our Patreon page, y'all, look, I'm telling you, the price of the brick is going up. <laughs> the price the price of the brick is going up. I'm, 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 we sending out tons of content. Tons. Yeah, what are y'all doing? <laughs> Stop playing games. So, unfortunately, your Philadelphia Eagles lost. We lost. You know, it's okay. And here's why I feel like it's okay. Uh, when I first started watching football and um you know we're 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 from dc so what games do we get we obviously get well they're the commanders commanders now now. yeah uh we get the cowboys we get the giants and we get the eagles Mm -hmm. uh i did not like washington no nobody did i damn sure don't like the cowboys (laughs) no i mean no uh a half of our family are giants fans Yep, but it was something about the Eagles during the McNabb years. Because you had a crush on McNabb, right? I did not. Absolutely not. Oh, okay. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) it was the underdog status that they had that they weren't. They were underdogs that year. They were okay. All right. Um, and then our coach at the time, of course, was Andy Reid, who I adore and who is the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know what? I'm glad Andy got a ring. Uh, I'm not that. It's got no, ring number two. Yeah, ring number two. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we got our ring. Uh, you know. And then also a few years ago, y'all got one. That's right. Yeah, we beat we beat the Patriots, and also you know, so now Jason Kelsey has a ring, and his brother Travis has a ring. So that was nice. And their mother was absolutely adorable in her half Chiefs, half <laughs> Eagles jacket. Which I kind of want that jacket. That jacket was fresh as hell. <laughs> I think they. I don't they know had if you that saw sp- that jacket. No, I didn't. I think they had that specially made for her. It, I yeah. love the fact they love their mama and they love yeah. each other so yeah. much. Yeah. So much. When they both, when they both, I've seen the video when they both saw their mother and they just was like, "Mama, yeah. <laughs> I loved it." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was a good game, though. But I mean, hell, it was. It was a good game. It was a good game. And then also somebody else came out of retirement. Riri returned. Riri was not retired. No, I mean, she, what, who are you talking about? Riri was retired. She ain't done no music in 20 years. She don't have to, number one. <laughs> no, she's now when you 1.4 billion. I just yeah. looked it up. Like she's Jay-Z is 1.3. She's yeah. at 1.4. Yes. Uh Savage by Fenty and Fenty Beauty. Sis is set, okay? Um, she don't have to do nothing, and she don't owe nobody nothing. And um, and she damn sure performed. Like, <laughs> I enjoyed it, but she was definitely I, she was definitely performing like, hey, here, y'all go ahead and take this real fast, and this is all you get. Well, listen, okay, I get, you know, Beyonce will be pregnant and jumping around in heels and stuff, but that's Beyonce and she's literally one in a million. And Rihanna is also one in a million. And I love that Rihanna is a different type of diva. And she's like, y'all going to get what I give you type (laughs) of diva. And that's, I feel that in my spirit. And, um, and I, I absolutely love it. I love the show. I I some people said she was giving us reproductive justice. I don't think I think that was just her birth story. I mean, it was clear like she was in red 
and there was little white hooded people swarming all oh, around her. You know what? Uh, I think it was just her announcing that she's pregnant again. That's what I think. And then ASAP a, a blood? That could just be that he's a blood. No, no. That it was definitely sperm and her. Okay. Uh, at first she was up above the there was there's a TikTok of a lady going through the different stages uh. and then they swarmed around her and then and then the cape was on and then it was a whole thing. Huh. Uh, so but yeah, there was a there was a uh, definitely a theme to it. I didn't uh, pick up on it. I was just looking at Riri. Yeah. I mean, she was gorgeous. Always has been. She was gorgeous and pregnant and glowing. And she don't owe y'all a damn thing. And, and now that she's pregnant again, y'all not going to get that out. Y'all not going to get it. Like, you're just not going to get it. No. She's not going to do it. I don't think she uh, needs to make any more music. She's made enough iconic music that uh, yeah. she's good. She's yeah. got so many number one hits. Yeah. Like, she's good. And. Yeah. Am I a Rihanna fan? I mean, yeah, I guess I'm a Rihanna fan because I listen to her music. Yeah, um, yeah I'm a Rihanna fan because I'm a Beyonce fan. And I don't know why the two always have to be compared. They don't need to be compared. No, they can live they separately. They can be different. mutually exclusive. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting a different sound. You're getting a different vibe. They're very different. I don't even know why I compared them just now. I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, because you do it. Both pregnant. And they both have a connection to Jay-Z. Yeah. Jay-Z is the... I know you're going to kill me for saying this. Jay-Z is the sun in which they orbit because he kind of, he definitely put Riri on. And yes. Beyonce has only grown her. bigger. Yeah. And Beyonce has only grown bigger through her association with Jay-Z. I don't believe, I wholeheartedly disagree. As a solo artist, she wasn't, you You seem to forget, after she left Destiny's Child, she was kind of floating. Remember, she was active for a while and nobody even brings that up anymore. She was acting for a while. Well, um, that's because, listen, and please don't get at me because I know how y'all are. Y'all like to tussle. Um, But the truth is she plays herself. She plays a beautiful singer in every film that she does. Not, I mean, in, not in Austin Powers. Yes. Golden. Uh, the, she was singing and she was beautiful. Oh, uh, She's always beautiful. Gold is gold is gold. She was singing, and she was a beautiful singer in that. Do you and want her? So- <laughs> you want her to be Johnny Depp and hide her beauty? Johnny Depp is the only one that's always changing his face. She only did that one movie. I can't remember the name of it, but it was with Idris Elba, and he had like a stalker or something that was trying to that was in love with him and trying to take his place. And Beyonce played his wife. And she beat the hell out that girl at the end. <laughs> and that was the only <laughs> movie that I can remember. But Cadillac Records. Uh, yeah, um, okay. Yeah, you're right. All of that. I mean, uh, what's the um, Dream Girls? All of that. I mean, she's playing a beautiful singer all the time. So it's I'm not just that saying true. her singing career wasn't really popping until her and Jay-Z got together. Because Jay-Z at that time was a bigger star. Yes. I would say, yes, she did use him for clout initially. But the career that she's built. That's all that's all her. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying he kind of gave he gave her a boost. Yes. They did a couple collabs together in the beginning. Uh-huh. And yeah, okay, I agree with that. And then Rihanna, I've been a fan since some ponder replay. Okay. <laughs> Call <Mr. laughs> DJ some 
not that stick. I was like, oh, this is a little bop. Who is this? But okay. you know what I love about Rihanna? People, people, I guess, I don't think people really were true fans of Rihanna. The ones that are complaining about her performance, because there are some people that are complaining about her performance. Like, she ain't really mm-hmm. do nothing. One, she was pregnant. And two, yeah. like, Rihanna really never really does anything. She always acts like, and it might not be an act, it might be weird, that she is completely unbothered. That's kind of her yeah. personality. Um, yeah. So I was like... Well, she's, she's also kind of a dick. I say that she, I said in my Talking Straight-ish show, she has RBF. No, like she really says some some uh, some wild stuff on Twitter sometimes. Oh, I don't follow her on Twitter, so I guess yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> what, she, what she be saying? Rihanna's kind of an internet bully sometimes. Uh, I can see she that. Could a, she could be a dick. Um, but, you know, that's also part of her appeal. It's like yeah. she doesn't care. She will clap back and she does not care. And, and that's be- also part of her appeal. I bet people that know her know her be like, yo, she's the sweetest person in the world. Yeah, probably. But I love I have that. I mean, I have that syndrome of like, I'm nice to the people that I care about. But if I don't care about you, I mean, I really don't care. You will be talking and halfway through what you're saying, I'm walking off. (laughs) Wait a minute. I, I ain't never seen you do that to people. Right. Because I care about you you no i'm not talking i'm talking about with other people like i've been around you and other people and like we worked together for years so i never saw you treat nobody like that uh yeah go back and ask the the people at hard rock how my attitude was (laughs) 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 no it was very much of i'm sitting these people and please get the hell up out my face i don't know how many people i told to get the hell up out my host stand (laughs) And like, I don't care what you talk about. That poor, there was one guy we worked with. Uh, initially, you you felt threatened by him because he was a new, attractive black guy. Oh, you always love telling this story. Yes. And I but, and, and I never felt threatened by him. You did. You said no, something about it. What I say about it? When he first got there, you was like, I don't like this. <laughs> you said something, but it was just very awesome. I, I did. I did that. <laughs> Green eyes. That was the only thing. That was really the only difference. Both of y'all was tall, black men, good looking, but he had green eyes, and that was the difference. And but talking to him was like watching paint dry. So I literally would just ignore this man because I didn't want to get trapped in a conversation with him. Never uh, talk to me. I said because you're boring, and I walked away. I'm very protective of my time. <laughs> Don't waste my time. Oh, my good. All right, we getting sidetracked. Let's go yes. back to Riri. Yes. I enjoyed the performance. I was happy about the performance. I don't understand. I think some people just want to complain just to complain. Because they're yeah. complaining they were about... complain regardless. Yeah, they were um, going to Because everybody says that the Super Bowl became too woke. That's another subject that I... I we're going to talk about that in the After Hour Show. We ain't going to talk about it right here. Because yeah. I got some things. I, I already said it on my talking issue. Yeah, I, t- I said some stuff on my talking ish show, but I got more to say. So once again, join our Patreon page. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I keep telling y'all the price of the brick. And if you don't understand what I say when I say the price of the brick, that's that, you know, the brick, that's a drug dealing term. Not to say we drug dealers. We ain't drug dealers, but it's a drug dealing terms. And the brick is that kilo <laughs> of cocaine. <laughs> don't think about it. And that brick is that kilo of the cocaine. And the price of the brick is going up, meaning the price of the membership is going to go up because it's too mm-hmm. much content that we're giving out 
at this price, but I wanted to, to give it at this price because day one, people that's been sticking with us, you know, this is go, this is yeah. our twenty first, or this is the twenty first unsolicited perspectives show. That's nice. It's, it can drink now. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> well, actually, it's the twenty second, but that first one. Oh, uh, mm. you know what? I'm a. Yeah. You know what? I'm a edit, re-edit that first one and put it on the Patreon page. That's that's yeah. that's what I'm gonna do. The one that you keep talking about about the sound being bad and everybody's yeah. what was that show? I, look, I can finally fix the sound. So yes. I just need to find that file. It's on the other computer. I just need to find that file and go ahead and do that. Put uh, it out there. Yeah, put it out put there. It but yeah, we'll talk about that other stuff about the Super Bowl, the people criticizing the Super Bowl being too woke on the after hours episode. Cause yeah. I, hey Jay, I got some things to say. But um, any final thoughts yeah, on I mean, Riri? Yeah, I mean, for the people who are like, she didn't do much. First of all, Rihanna is not a dancer. Never has been. Never has been. She does gyrations um, that make you, yeah. that makes the crowd pop. Yes. Um, her songs are bops you can dance to, but she herself is not a dancer. And my thing is, you wouldn't expect if like, Adele was doing the Super Bowl that she would be out there pop lock and dropping like you wouldn't expect it so I don't know again I think it's people conflating her with performers like Beyonce Mm -hmm. and I'm like no she's different she's a different vibe it's going to be a different performance I think anybody who has seen her perform will be like oh yeah this makes this whole show makes sense if you think about how Rihanna is Plus, she's pregnant. Right. Plus, she don't get really give a damn about none of y'all. Not not a one, not a single one. Yeah, you got the show you got. It was high concept, and it was cool. Them platforms, like, just the choreography of the platforms going up and down. That thing, it was cool. I it was dangerous, it, too. It, it, no, they were all harnessed in. I don't care. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. And I'm going to tell you something. Half the people, 88% of the people who was talking cash-ish about that show wouldn't have got on them damn platforms either. No. no. I don't know if you could pay me enough to go up and down no. like that. But Rihanna got her pregnant behind up on them platforms for y'all, and y'all got the nerve, the gall. Don't even get paid for it. Doing, it for, the, doing it for the culture. Doing it for the love of you. For the love for you, and you got the gall, the audacity. Where do you get off? We love you, Rihanna. Love you, Riri. All right, sis, keeping up with our Black History theme, we're going to talk about Audrey Lord now. Mm-hmm. I know you know about Audrey Lord. I know a little bit about Audrey Lord. I wonder if the people know about Audrey Lord. And if you don't know about Audrey Lord, we're going to give you some of the facts. So, just a little bit about her. She was born in 1934. She lived until 1992. She was born in Harlem, USA. Harlem, baby. Right after the Black right after the Harlem Renaissance. She didn't really grow up I mean, she kind of grew up during the Harlem Renaissance, but not really. She was born to Caribbean immigrant parents. She was a black feminist, 
poets, civil rights activists, and she was known for her contributions in the feminist movement and her writing on race, gender, sexuality, and social justice. She didn't coin the phrase that is actually on one of our podcasts that I miss, I miss, I used it. I know you hate the word misspeak, but I misspoke and said it mm-hmm. was enter sexuality. What did yes. I call it? I think you did. <laughs> yeah, I said it was intersexuality, but it's intersectionality, section, yeah. not sexuality. Um, yes. She uh, attended Hunter College. She later earned a master's degree in library science at Columbia University, right? And uh, she started publishing poetry in the 1960s. Um, she did a lot of stuff as far as arguing about the women's movement and making sure that it was all inclusive. In other words, the feminist movement, you've talked about this often, and you can get into more in depth about how the feminist movement is divided into sections, right? It's Mm -hmm. people of color and then they're white women. They're fighting for the same things, but not in the same way and not together. And she was expressing all this all the way back in the 60s. It was like, yo, we all fighting for the same things. Don't piece us out because you don't want to include us. We all need to be included in this fight. So I, like, she's a, she's a pioneer as far as what she was fighting for. And she was the first one because she was a lesbian. She was the first one fighting for the LGBTQ community, specifically the Q community and trans because they've been marginalized since, since the beginning. Like since the, since since the beginning of the beginning, like and here we are. She's talking about day the one. right day one, and not day one membership on our Patreon page. Like day one. Oh my god! <laughs> Even I'm it. getting tired of that now. <laughs> <laughs> but. But she was talking about this in the 60s, and it's funny the things that she was talking for, about fighting for are still things that we're talking about and fighting for now. Mm-hmm. And I know you you really love a lot of her works. Uh, yeah. Do you have the the Sister Outsider or the Cancer I Journals? Do have a copy of, I do have a copy of Sister Outsider. Yes. I, what is that about? Can you tell the people what that is about and what she you know what she was trying to convey in, in some of her books? Yeah, so Sister Outsider is actually a collection of some of her essays and as well as well as some of her um, speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is different um, different things that she talks about in there, but it's mostly centered around the need for um, highlighting the voices of marginalized groups, especially within feminism. Um, a real her, one of her most uh, famous essays, "The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House." Yes, Th- uh, <laughs> talks about um, making sure that racist theory is included in feminist theory, and that the erasure of race within feminism is. Um, not really serving anybody Mm -hmm. um, and that we can't use the same uh, white supremacist tools to combat feminism because it leaves a large section of women out. So, um, you know, that's an interesting concept and me being the historian, as you like to put, no, I'm not a history major. I'm a historian. Yes. The reason why, 
the Civil Rights Act was passed before the Voting Rights Act is because LBJ realized that he had to piecemeal in order to get it passed. All right, back to what I was saying about LBJ, because you had some technical difficulties. You tried to blame it on, on my internet, but it was it was yours. It was me. It was me. I'm, you know, I, I take that. All right. <laughs> All right. So basically what I was saying about LBJ was, it's funny when you look at uh, Audre Lorde and expressing how you can't take the racial element out of the feminist movement. Mm-hmm. And LBJ had to break up the Civil Rights and the Voting Rights Act because he knew as a complete package it would be passed, it would not be passed. So what he did was he passed the Civil Rights Act first. He piecemealed it and mm-hmm. then did the Voting Rights Act. And black activists at the time were like, no, nah, you need to do both of them at the same time. And he was saying, look, these Dixocrats is not going to go for that. Right. I got to give them a little bit, then wait a little bit longer and then get the other one passed. I can get them both passed, but you got to be patient. And then when I was saying it was like, I wonder subconsciously or not, if some of the white feminists who were taking race out of it, we're doing kind of the same thing. Hey, we're going to get ours first and then we're going to bring you along. No. I don't, I don't, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that was the case. <laughs> no, because um, the suffrage movement for the women's right to vote was extremely racist. And mm. that's why you have Sojourner Truth with her famous speech, Ain't I a Woman? Mm. Because they are being left out. Because poor women, black women, queer women of course that wasn't in the time of sojourner truth that wasn't yeah, right. we want to talk about that but audrey lord was we're being left out of the conversation um but this is a common thing that happens to black women when we talk yeah. about uh feminism that we're talking about white women when we talk about racial justice we're talking about black men so when we talk about lgbtq um, we're again talking about white gays. So it's a common thing of black women and femmes being left out of the conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'll read a short quote from the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Audre Lorde writes, those of us who stand outside the circle of society's definition of acceptable women, Those of us who have been forged in the crucibles of difference, those of us who are poor, who are lesbian, who are black, who are older, know that survival is not an academic skill. It is learning how to take our differences and make them strengths, for the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us to temporarily beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. It is this fact, um, and this fact is only threatening to those women who define the master's house as their only source of support, which mm. you had a, you, you had a friend uh, talk to you, um, a, a white woman that's a friend of yours who said, what did she say something about? Um, oh, you're going to make me bring out the quote again. Hold on. You got it. Oh, oh, you got it on deck. Yeah, I mean, it's in it's in my text messages, so I ain't, it doesn't take that long to, to find it. But I need you to uh, 
kill some time as I try to find it. So keep <laughs> keep on going. Well, anyway, we were talking about this um, as we were talking about the show topics and that the work of women like Audre Lorde and Kimberly Crenshaw, who actually was the person who coined the phrase intersectionality in the in the 80s and the work of women like Bell Hooks are what led to third wave feminism. Um, you have first and second wave feminism that really didn't incorporate intersectionality and these these other ways of being different that act on people at the same time. It didn't, it was really, you have books like, and I remember being in a women's studies class and we read this book. It was um, the feminine mystique. And I was in this women's studies class and it was all white women and me. And we read the feminine mystique and the feminine mystique is all is a collection of interviews of, basically middle and upper class white women, college educated, who were experiencing this kind of malaise because they were relegated to the home. They were relegated to being housewives. This is, you know, this is uh, the 40s and 50s, I believe. So they could only be secretaries, teachers or housewives. And most of them, when you get to a certain economic status, you're a housewife. Right. And they're like, we went to college and we did all these things and all we get to be is housewives and we're all depressed. And we did a little round table and everybody talked about it and it got to me. And I said, this is the dumbest thing I've ever read in my entire life. (laughs) I said, because black women have always been outside of the home. Mm -hmm. Always. Since we landed on these shores, Mm -hmm. black women have always worked outside of the home for other people. And this doesn't take into account poor people who have to work. This doesn't take into account uneducated people. This is the most biased piece of literature I've ever read. What was your response to that? The professor was like, exactly. Next, we're talking about intersectionality. So I was the only one there. They were like, yeah, my grandma used to have the same issue. I was like, yeah, not mine. She always worked. (laughs) Right. So I found a quote. My friend said, white women will always protect white male supremacy because they still benefit from the closeness to the power of the husbands, brothers, and dads. Exactly. So because you are still operating within that white supremacist framework, even while you're trying to separate yourself from sexism, right, that you're facing, you're still using the tools of a white supremacist framework which is excluding and erasing the voices of other women. And it's not just Black women. It's all women of color. It's all women of different economic status, older women, young women. It's um, the differently abled. It's all it's, it's queer women. It's all of that. Well, Audrey that Lord, We dismissing. Right. Well, Audrey Lord, that was some of her major points like she made it a real point of emphasis mm-hmm. of of arguing the importance and embracing uh, and celebrating diversity rather than trying to erase it and make everybody the same and it is that that conflict that mm-hmm. american conflict where people come here and they're taught to assimilate right. to succeed but when you assimilate maybe you succeed but you lose a sense of yourself. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's whatever, everything about America is borrowed, right? There's nothing that's truly our own. And right. it is because people have come here and it shared their diversity. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, 
bastardize it, right? Like Italian food is not the American Italian food is not Italian food. Like not even close. Mexican food, like I, I you know, I say to somebody, yeah, you know, we're gonna celebrate Cinco de Mario. Where are you gonna go to Taco Bell? No, that's no. that's not celebrating it. So Literally a white man with I, no Mexican heritage, he wanted to come up with a different way to do the hamburger. And so he did the taco. And that's all Taco Bell is. It's nothing, no Mexican connection at all. No. Okay. That didn't didn't know that. <laughs> yes. So her work is so vital and yes. important and should be celebrated more so than it is now. Because I think a lot of people really don't know who she was and mm-hmm. didn't understand how much of a trailblazer for the things that she was talking about. 60 years ago, almost 65 years ago, right? 60 years ago and how vital and important that that fight continues on today, which is incredible that still fighting for literally the same things. What is important that people like her aren't forgotten. And it's also important to understand her awards. Uh, She won awards. She won an American Book Award. Mm -hmm. She had a fellowship from the National Endowment of Arts. She had the Audre Lorde Project after she passed away. It's a community organization center for the LGBTQ uh, community uh, and people of color. It was founded in her honor in New York City. Like, to say that she isn't honored isn't completely the truth, but she isn't celebrated as much as she should be. And we shouldn't solely celebrate her just in Black History Month, but also because it's Black History Month, we're going to give you all a little bit of game and tell you who who and what she is and what she about. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you say that's it for today, right? That's we the gave him, we the gave him the raw reel. That's it. Well, I, I had somebody I'm actually reading, uh, currently reading a book about her. Okay. Um, I'm reading her. Well, I'm reading their autobiography um, and it is a, okay. So I'm trying to think of how best to introduce a person who is extremely vital to, um, civil rights, um, law, uh, a lot of the Supreme court cases that gave black people the rights that they have today. Their name is Pauli Murray. Um, Polly was a lawyer and a gender equity advocate. Um, I had never heard of Polly Murray. I don't mm-hmm. even remember how I came across Polly Murray. Um, but some, I, I don't remember how I came across Polly Murray, but I, I bought her autobiography or her bio. No, it is her autobiography immediately. Um, because I had to know who this person was. Her work in law and theory is um, the groundwork that people like Thurgood Marshall used in uh, a lot of landmark cases, including, I think I heard about her due to uh, Roe v. Wade, because her work, her theory at the time, now remember, this is a person, well- What time frame are we talking about? We are talking about, she was born in 1910. So we're talking about somebody who was active during the 30s and 40s. Okay. Okay. And so Pauli Murray 
is queer. She, he, they, damn, struggling. They <laughs> were, um, I want to say non-binary. Mm-hmm. They would be an appropriate use of, I think they would be the appropriate pronoun. Um, they, them. They, them. Well, was non-binary. Um, they were, uh, did their graduate, their uh, postgraduate work at Harvard um, Law School at Howard. So she went mm. to, they went to both HUs, <laughs> <laughs> received her doctorate in judicial science from Yale. Ooh. Uh, incredibly Ooh. brilliant. And was really working on racial and racial equity and and um, women's rights, civil rights, writing a lot of legal theory at a time where people like them were not were completely dismissed. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about the 30s and 40s. The 30s, yes. I mean, Audre Lorde didn't really start writing about that stuff until the 60s. So yes. she wasn't writing about that in the 30s and 40s. So this is this predates Audre Lorde. Um, co-founder of the National Organization for Women. Hmm. Um, appointed by President John F. Kennedy to serve as in the Presidential Commission on the Status of Women. Um she, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, named her as the co-author of an ACLU brief um, on the landmark uh, Supreme Court case Reed v. Reed, which um, says that administrators of estates cannot uh, discriminate between sexes. So um, a lot of groundbreaking, I mean, her theory is what all of these people used in these landmark Supreme Court cases at a time where they were being completely dismissed and laughed at for these theories. So um, they would be considered the... The grandparent big, of all of big. a lot of civil rights and feminist legal cases that were won they are the grandparent of that they are the big bang of lgbtq rights yes now i wrapped that all together i'm smart too yeah i got some things to say no wow i did not and this person's name again is is what paulie paulie murray paulie murray hey y'all Look up Paulie Murray. I had no idea about this. You know, maybe unsolicited perspectives. When we start uh, getting into production of of television and movies, we do a, a a movie about about them because I feel like this person needs to be celebrated more than uh, not more, but needs to be celebrated because I had no idea who this person is. Yeah. There's always somebody in the background that's doing all the work. It's, uh, it's always a queer black woman. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. That's what it is. It's always that. I mean, worked alongside Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks. Um, I would I would love to understand the dynamic of that because yeah. we could say it in the black community for generations and even still today, the LGBTQ community is kind of shunned, even though. 
most of these activists or and most of these uh, movements for civil rights are led by Black Lives Matter was th- started by three queer Black women. Most of these things are started, and the people who on the are on the front lines are Black women and femmes. And because we understand, um, and actually Pauli Murray coined a phrase, Jane Crow, along with Jim Crow, talking about mm. the ways in which segregation and these laws negatively affect Black women in particular. Hmm. Um, we understand that because we are at that at the bottom. The bottom. <laughs> these, if we get liberated, everyone else above us will as well. But I was my point was is that you you had them working with uh, Martin Luther King and 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 in the Black community. Th- for generations, black communities shun away from the LGBTQ community, even though LGBTQ community has always been in the black church, right? Like, mm-hmm. but but by and large, there's a certain generation of black folks that are just using religion as you know it's wrong. God says it's wrong, and for Martin Luther King to be a pastor mm-hmm. working with them. A clearly non-binary person. And it doesn't get discussed, maybe if it was more publicized. Mm-hmm. But, we we as the Black community, I'm saying we as a Black community, I'm saying me personally, I'm saying we as a Black community might, might look differently upon the LGBTQ community if we had known, if it's taught in, and even in our history courses. You went to Howard University. I took an African-American history course at the University of Maryland. I didn't even know how big the LGBTQ community was in the civil rights movement, Uh, more specifically, the Black LGBTQ community was. Had we known this information, maybe the Black community, by and large, would be more accepting of the LGBTQ community, but it's kind of been Swept under the rug. Yes. We know, but we don't know. We knew that uh, James Baldwin was gay. We knew Langston Hughes was gay. Uh, Moms Mabley also. We don't talk about that, though. Non-binary. We don't. Even when people talk about James Baldwin now, who had a resurgence, for some strange reason, he had a resurgence during uh, the pandemic. People were like, have you decided? There was a documentary. I thought the documentary was before the pandemic. I thought it came out before the pandemic. Yeah, but people were home and they were watching stuff and they got to documentaries and they all saw I'm Not Your Negro. I saw it in theaters. I ain't seen it in theaters. They, uh, they, they waited until they were home. The, then all of a sudden it was clips on Instagram and on Twitter and, I, and they was like, who is this person? I'm like, you just now found out this person? But even then, even I then. Their entire collection. I bet you do. Well, <laughs> but even I, then, I didn't have actually it is grandma's collection. Um, mom inherited it and then I got them, but they're the entire collection of his books. I didn't know that was grandma's collection. Mm-hmm. Huh. But even still, when people talk about him during his resurgence, so to yeah. speak, during the pandemic, nobody brings up the fact that he was gay. No. It's like that. And, and I would I would think, well, does the LGBTQ community like say, you know, he was gay, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, 
it, it didn't reach me. Like, but I knew that, but it, it's not, it feels like it's not reaching the masses. It feels like these people that, it feels like there's people in the black community that praise certain groups, that praise certain civil rights leaders, mm-hmm. but at the same time, talk down upon the LGBTQ community, but they're praising somebody in the LGBTQ community and just not acknowledging it. And and, mm-hmm. it, and I think that's a problem, but that's... That's neither here nor there. And oh, by the way, yeah, we'll talk about white supremacy, but we'll talk about our own ish too. Like yeah. this, this is not a one-sided thing with us on unsolicited perspective. Yeah. We we talk about the raw real no matter what side of the coin you are. We will we talk about white supremacy and we'll talk about the fact that hey, our own people be effed up too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, people in the know in law at that time, specifically women dealing with uh sexism in the in uh trying to forward uh legal protections against sexism like RBG right um uh, people working uh for race advocacy like Thurgood Marshall these people knew her they were in the know but the general public is not in the know <laughs> and i'm and saying the general public the general public needs to be yeah. needs to be in the know these things need to be brought to light because so the cool thing, the reason why she was often uh, dismissed in her time, obviously not later, but in her time, is because, uh, like, for example, um, in terms of segregation laws, she argued their unconstitutionality directly. Not She didn't do the whole, well, as long as it's separate but equal. Mm-hmm. She used psychology and sociology as well as legal theory to dispute its constitutionality completely. Mm-hmm. That segregation was in itself unconstitutional. And her, of course, she's dismissed. Now, it's separate but equals fine, right? Right. But Thurgood Marshall used that theory for his arguments in Brown versus the Board of Education. Mm. So, like, like I said at the time, people in the know knew her, knew her as an influential person. But anyone outside of that, um, she she argued that was we'll the Fourteenth Amendment forbade sexual discrimination as well as racial discrimination. Um, the Fourteenth Amendment being, um. Hell, what is the Fourteenth Amendment? Don't be bringing up stuff if you ain't got the you ain't got the receipts. You don't know what the Fourteenth Amendment is. What do you know? Is no, I don't know. Amendment? I felt like there was a documentary on the Fourteenth Amendment. Yeah, I don't know. But Eyes on the, the prize probably taught us. Yeah, yeah, it's the Equal Protection Under the Law clause. That's it. Um, but she argued in that John F. Kennedy Commission that the 14th Amendment also forbade sexual discrimination and racial discrimination, Mm. which people, I don't know that they hadn't considered, but to write it down in a presidential commission on the status of women, I think at the time the 14th Amendment was specifically targeted towards racial discrimination, but she was like, don't forget about women. Right. (laughs) Don't forget about us. So basically... Dang. You come to this podcast to learn, and we're going to teach you some things. Yes. So if you get an, uh, an opportunity, 
Um, I am reading Song in a Weary Throat. Um, actually, it was reissued as Polly Murray, the Autobiography of a Black Activist, Feminist, Lawyer, Priest, and Poet. It is an incredible read. It goes through her entire life as her autobiography. She wrote it herself. And um, it's a great read. It's an easy read, too. So people out there, I, when people approach and they say they want to learn and they don't know where to go to read, though, though, those are some suggestions right there. We've given Outsider you Outsider and the Autobiography of Pauli Murray. There you Learn go. something, people. There read. you go. And sis, on that note, it's Black History Month. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and do your sign off for Black History Month. Happy Black History Month, y'all. <laughs> And I'm a holler. Thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and donate. Donations help us keep giving you this free content each and every week. Until next time, Audi 5000. Peace.